Welcome to the Jeff and Alex podcast. I am Jeff Hillemeyer, and with my friend, Alex Gonzalez, we explore topics that help you be your best self. And we also get to chat with some great guests. So join us now on the Jeff and Alex podcast. Hello, and welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome to this world where Jeff Hillemeyer and I are going to just talk to you. So Jeff, and of course, I'm Alex Gonzalez, and next uh, on, the, uh, on the screen next to me here is Jeff. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm good. How's it going this morning? Oh, okay. So, you know, of course, people could be watching this whenever, but I guess we're here on a beautiful Saturday morning. Yeah, I can see the sun coming in in your, your place. I'm in like a little quarantined off tiny little closet that I've <laughs> stationed to, to be away from the family while I, while I get work done. And what's funny, because, you know, uh, talking about, uh, you know, here in Atlanta, where we're at, the, I always joke to, to Jeff, to, to you, Jeff, about how you never go OTP, you know, outside the perimeter, for those who might be watching who don't know what that is, and, you know, and, and always trying to get Jeff to at least visit, you know, somewhere up here. And he reminds me the other day that, you know, he's more OTP than I am now. <laughs> I'm O or TP than you, yeah. So it takes a pandemic for you to finally go OTP, is what you're saying. That's right. I, <laughs> I escaped to the wilderness an hour north of Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, um, looking forward to this. Um, if you're watching, you collect, thank you. Um, you know, it's funny, as Jeff and I were thinking about doing something together. We've talked about doing something together for a while. And, um, and you know, first of all, let's just record the conversations we had. And of course, now, as soon as we start recording, it'll probably, we'll probably don't know what to say, but, you know, we'll, we'll work through it. Um, but, you know, one of the things, uh, Jeff, that, you know, I, you know we've, we've just talked about the other day, which I think would be a great thing to kind of lean into. Um, there's so many topics we could explore and so many things, particularly on leadership and being a leader, being innovative, being creative. And frankly, we could even talk about other stuff about family and favorite TV shows, whatever. But kind of what so much started with you and I met, um, I believe, through the mark, uh, marketing roundtable, mm, um, yeah. which is mainly corporate CMOs on it. Um, but there's this aspect around um, for me, and then uh, as I got to know you learning through you about this connectivity between entrepreneurism and corporate. Mm -hmm. And so much so as, you know, I, I'm almost, for, almost forget that you and I come from, you know, I come from this, you know, 20 plus years of corporate life and, and then coming out of it with this belief that there's ways to be more disruptive and innovative, even in a corporate environment. And then you come from an entrepreneurial perspective, believing that there's an element coming into corporate. So this would be great to kind of explore mm -hmm. that today and because that perspective. And so Jeff, you know, maybe starting out, and by the way, you know, this is not a plug, but I do have my kind of Jeff's, <laughs> Jeff's book here, which really, um, Thank you. Uh, and he didn't pay me for that. So actually, I don't know what my rate is for this, but, but, um, so, but Jeff, in all seriousness though, you, um, you're, you know, always when I think about an entrepreneur to talk to, I think about you, but you really have this perspective about entrepreneurism and a corporate perspective. So, so let's, let's talk yeah. about, maybe we'll start talking there. What's, what's, how do you think about that? Yeah, it's interesting because I think the reason that I, I have um, focused on that, um, the corporate side of entrepreneurship, if there is such a thing, is because my clients have always been corporations. Um, and so I've built digital agencies for the last 20 years and uh, worked with Coke and Home Depot and Equifax when you were there. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
you know, what I kept seeing um, was uh, these outliers of people within corporations that still acted entrepreneurially. Um, mm. And not because they had been a founder of a company, but because it was a mindset, right? Right. But most, you know, by and large, um, corporations have a really hard time innovating. Um, and the best they can typically do is acquire startups that, that will help them um, be a little more forward thinking. But even then, they, they almost always ruin that startup that they acquire. And so um, meeting people like yourself, we know some other people that um, come from more of a corporate background, but have that entrepreneurial mindset um, led me to believe that there is hope that it's, it's definitely more a mindset than it is you, you have to be a startup. Um, and that it's impossible with a large corporation. Yeah, no, I, you know, and it's it's so funny because I think uh, you're on to kind of the secret to all this, which, um, you know, as you start looking at being innovative and all that, it really comes back to that person. And, you know, I think people always ask me, it's like, can corporations be innovative? Like, absolutely, but it's really the people within that have to start, and particularly leaders at a specific level. So here's here's a you know kind of maybe interesting question because um, I've got asked this before uh, a lot. So be I have a perspective on this. So one be good to start maybe with, with yours is as well. But is entrepreneurism and innovation the same thing? Right. Yeah. Being, no, was, or maybe it is being an entrepreneur and being innovative. So by definition, some people would believe that if you're an entrepreneur, that means you're innovative. And I have a, I have a thought on this and that journey went on. But want to hear well, how do you think about that? Yeah, no, I definitely don't think that. And I, and I think it's because I come from, um, like I learned about entrepreneurship from my father growing up. He had a vending company. And um, to my knowledge, um, look, great sales guy, you know, um, knows the industry well. I don't know that he's ever done anything innovative um, in that business. He just worked hard, controlled his own destiny. Um, I know he made tough decisions. I know he had to... Um, change a little bit with his business, but innovative, I'm not so sure. So I, I definitely see a difference there. Um, and I also see a difference between the startup founder versus the um, rate, like I would call myself an entrepreneur more than a startup founder. Mm -hmm. The business I've created isn't as much a startup as a small business. Um, however, I think to be very successful at entrepreneurship, you have to be able to be innovative. And I would flip it and say to be innovative, there has to really be innovative in, in whatever you're doing. You have to be entrepreneurial in some sense, meaning you, you see a wall, you don't think it's um, a roadblock. It, it's simply a stepping stone. Um, you have to be able to push yourself to, 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 to go over challenges and um, not just throw your hands up, which is, which is impossible if you're trying to be innovative. So that's sort of how I right. see those two worlds blending. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I, I, I would say that I think being and, and kind of going back to kind of where I started, there's a point when I was in corporate and then and then, you know, decided to kind of take a launching point. And I said, well, the startup thing is it's that's that's the secret to innovation. They've got it figured out because, of course, you see the whole all the headlines, whether it's the launch of whatever, you know, Uber, uh, TikTok, whatever it is. And it's all the headlines. But I think, um, or at least what I always talk to folks about is that there is being an entrep entrepreneurism and innovation, there's, there's actually some skill sets in entrepreneurism that's really more about efficiency and focus 
than just about being innovative. It may have started with an innovative idea. Uh, and, and part of it, frankly, if you think about, you know, how you invest in a startup, it's and in many cases, once the idea is set, it's about locking in and executing and execution. Now, I do think that the skill that you can bring into corporations, and I think, frankly, the irony is, I know there's this whole thing about entrepreneurism and entrepreneurism and so much. How do you bring more entrepreneurial energy into corporations? And, you know, sometimes I say, yeah, it may not just be about the innovative. I think what entrepreneurs and startups bring that's more innovative is they're closer to the customer. Yeah. Um, so they understand what's happening, maybe than a big corporation. But the nimbleness of, you know, I have only so much capital. So I got to figure something out pretty quick. I'm a big believer that constraints drive the best innovation. But I do think that also then you got to focus and figure it out. I mean, I think that's one of the strengths of entrepreneurs. And more so than, you know, we're going to solve, we're, we're going to just think of 25 different ideas that come down to it, which I think this is sometimes a mix-up people get between what innovation and entrepreneurism mm -hmm. is. But I do think that, scarce, that dealing with scarcity is an aspect that could come into a corporation. 100%. Yeah, when I, when I see it... Um... When I see a corporation invest in innovation um, and, they, and they're putting day one, you know, a team of 30 and right. $5 million, it's, it's likely not going to work. It's this weird thing where you put two people in a room and give them three months to figure something out or they lose their job and they'll figure something out, right? And that's the difference between an entrepreneur is to your point, you, you either innovate or you die. Um, your business ends. Whereas if Coca-Cola doesn't find a new way to innovate, they're fine. They've got a stable business and it just makes it really hard to take those risks. I'm curious from your perspective, because I've seen you um, go from corporate mm -hmm. to both really civic and entrepreneur. Um, yeah. So you've really taken a change, but you've worked at some of the largest companies in the world um, in your past. How have you seen looking back like, are there things that now that you've, you're, you are an entrepreneur and that you say, gosh, I, I, I could have done that differently or, or, or that was a roadblock that I could have gotten around? Or do you, did you always sort of operate that way? Yeah, well, I mean, it always has, by the way, you know, in case anybody's wondering, this segment's brought to you by <laughs> yeah, Dragon Army. That I did pay you for. Yeah, yeah exactly, with a mug. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I had to buy my own coffee to put in the mug too, but that's okay, right. you know. Um, but um no, it's actually interesting. When I look, first of all, I mean, I, I look back, I mean, uh, you know, and, and there's part of my career when I was in GE, and that was some of the best. Um, yeah, I always tell people that's where I got my MBA, effectively, because one thing you learn there, um, you know, back in their heyday of kind of leadership training is there's always something you could do different, always always do better. And, and there's so many times that I look back that you know, there's actually some entrepreneurial aspects I learned there in one of the biggest companies in the world at the time. Obviously, GE has gone through a lot of changes over the last few years. And um, I had a, a boss, uh, uh, or actually not my direct boss, but um, when I was part of the marketing organization, I was very fortunate to be there when uh, Beth Comstock, um, boy, who, and you, Jeff, you know, you've heard me say this before, but when people ask what my true north is, it's um, in terms of where I learned kind of my perspective of leadership and innovation and strategy. It's around Beth Comstock, who was the first female um, CM, first CMO and first female vice chair of General Electric. And, um, and it really was, this, uh, there's, there's almost this entrepreneurial energy there. And part of it is that thing with reflection, what would you change is always something you would do different. But to specific to your question though, um, for me, you know, I always talk about I had corporate ADD mm. and maybe that's part of being an, you know, entrepreneur um, or not. Uh, maybe actually, maybe it's completely not because 
you know, to, I was that person who's like, how do we push a boundary, break, you know, break something, rebuild, do it for something better. Um, you know, more of a provocateur, um, whether I was running a business or whether I was in a function for it. Um, I wouldn't change that. If anything, um, if I reflect back, um, it is so easy to, and the thing that kind of got me into exploring this whole topic, it is so easy in a large corporate environment to gravitate towards safety. Yeah. And unlike an entrepreneur who is looking at a cash running out when you're an executive or, or working at a big company, the perception, which by the way, in this environment you're in, it's a perception because corporations, you could, you know, yeah. things could disappear in a dime much faster than sometimes even uh, in, in, in other worlds, but that you're safe. But I think what I've seen a lot is there's a, sometimes a pull to safety and how, well, I don't want, you know, I don't want to implement this idea. Mm-hmm. And so if I look back, I'm sure there's many times where I'm like, you know, I, I could think specifically when I was running a business, I kind of with a really big role. And there's some things that I'm like, wow, I, sh- I wish, you know, once I was in there and worried about quarterly earnings, you start kind of hedging. There's some parts where I'm like, you know, I should have found that equilibrium. What's the right risk reward balance? Yeah. So there's clearly a lot of times I would do that, but I think that's really at the essence of it from a big corporation. I look back and the thing I always would like to explore with people is how do you get that kind of that grit and that risk, which by the way, you know, we, we know a lot of entrepreneurs, not all, not even not all founders have it. Um, So I think it applies to both sides of it, but how do you find that balance of being able to take risk, not being just blind taking risk, but taking that risk and grit. Cause that to me is where great innovation occurs. Agreed. And it's hard to do in a big company because I'd say the biggest difference is, you know, as, as a founder, you might have your investors and those around you, and then it's your belief system to push through. And then corporation, you have a lot of functions and yeah. lawyers and finance people and other operators and people wanting your job and all that that might be going against you. And you kind of have to work towards that. You know, I'm, I'm almost through with the Bob Iger um, yeah. autobiography. I don't know if you've yeah. read Have you read it yet? No, I've not. I, 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 I've a big fan of what he does so it's so amazing um it's so great and the the risks that he took almost immediately when he took the ceo job um you know um i think the first one was the pixar deal and i mean pretty much everybody was against it at the beginning um and then after that he immediately did marvel and then he did lucas mm-hmm. i mean it was like one big bet after another um and I don't know if that's because he was at a point in his career where he was willing to take those risks, but he was definitely betting, betting the farm on those things. And, and obviously they, they've been amazing. And, and, I, and I think to me, um, so much a leader or any leader, he clearly had a vision, uh, you know, a, a purpose and a vision, you know, for the Disney, the Walt Disney company. And, and being this collection of assets and taking the risk and taking the swing. And that's, and, and again, I haven't read the book or, so I don't know if he talks about it. It's probably how he convinced his board. And I'm sure he gets into whole, even his board composition. Do I have visionaries on the board? And then he had some of the best deal makers when he did make the deal. But no, I think uh, what he did, I, I mean, can you imagine if, if, you know, Walt Disney, and they're obviously suffering, you know, strug- not struggling, but they're definitely feeling the impacts of the current economic environment. But could you imagine if they didn't buy Pixar? Could you imagine if they didn't buy Marvel or, or, or Lucasfilms? I mean, those overvalued assets are no more. 
I mean, it's unbelievable. The difference of that company versus say 15 years before it's, yeah. I mean, and some people, you, and really some people like to argue about, well, you know, the star Wars franchise is not as good now as it was, uh, you know, that's a whole different argument yeah. because I think the checks are still Mandalorian. Clear. Did you watch Mandalorian? Oh yeah. That was good. Super that good. was I mean, good. Yeah. They're doing, they're doing some pretty, pretty good things. That man, yeah, and I can't wait till they start, could start filming um, again because yeah. you know, they have a lot of stuff planned for it. You know, but Mandalorian was, I, I still think just on the whole streaming platforms, I mean, you know, I think you're a big Apple Plus fan as well, but what they're doing the streaming platforms on creativity. Yeah. And Apple's a great example too. Could you imagine, uh, I mean, kind of going back to your prior discussion, um, you know, from a leadership perspective, saying we're going to create a studio and content. I mean, that has to come back to vision um, in terms of what this world is going to look like. Now, you could argue Bob Iger was really the one who started that momentum, and maybe not. But for all these tech companies to say we're going to become studios. Yeah. Hey, by the way, Apple Plus is pretty darn good. But yeah, um, well, he's great. But yeah, so, but I agree well, with you. Here's an interesting thing from the book. So Iger talks about, he, he built a really good relationship with, um, Steve Jobs um, yep. and um, Disney didn't have one leading up to him becoming CEO. Um, they were really fighting over the Pixar movies and sequels and stuff. It was just not not good. And um, he he says in the book that he thinks had had Steve not died that they would have brought Apple and Disney together. I believe it. Yeah, when I, be, I, I believe it. Could you imagine? Could you one? Could you imagine that combination? Um, you know, it's interesting. Then it comes out to you lead a combination like that, right? You know, but but I believe it, and and I think those are, you, you know, if you look at Steve Jobs and 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 you should probably see, you know, some of the the movies or books around him. I mean, there's this this visionary drive thing that's hard, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and there is a little, I, I, you know, people. I was having a conversation with my kids and they, and they were talking about, you know, Steve Jobs and Elon, you know, Elon Musk, a lot of these, you know, kind of modern day entrepreneurs. And they're like, man, they all seem to be, there seems to be some quirks with them, right? They seem, you know, are they in, in terms, and, and there's almost an element at that scale that mm -hmm. this exuberance and confidence and a little crazy, and I say that in a good way, not in a, you know, mental health way to just be able to push through. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, Steve Jobs, I think, going to that, I mean, think about how much failure he had in his career. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Both, both. Uh, Elon Musk, I mean, there was a point, if you read his, his story, where all three of his businesses, um, almost, they were all on the brink of closing before he yeah. made a few moves and, and pushed through. Yeah, no, Steve has an epic journey, um, if you think about it. Um, and, and, and so, to that, I think the challenge then becomes for, um, if you're in a big company, or if you're an entrepreneur, but, but let's say if you take for a corporation, some, you know, then people say, well, you know, I'm not Steve Jobs and I don't, I'm not Bob Iger. And, you know, there's definitely compensation plans that kind of allow them to take great risk. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's, that's the journey you take. What is that vision? You know, what is your purpose? You know, I, I've had people come to me and say, um, you know, even in this current environment, when I work with, with big, with big companies or talk to different people and they say, well, my company's not innovative enough and here's the ideas I have. And, and my, my, you know, retort is always, um, well, what's, what risk are you taking to make that happen? It doesn't mean try to get yourself fired, right. but I think it's such an important part and it's easy to have someone else, your idea and have someone else run with it. And if it doesn't work, you kind of hide behind the rock. And that's, I think what, 
what makes us leaders so different and more mm-hmm. more innovative as well too so i'll tell you i know we talk about uh, west wing and we're oh, yeah west wing um by the way i just got to the so um we've talked about this but i i watch the west wing when i'm um uh doing the dishes <laughs> which is one of my one of my jobs at the house and and with five so my question is are your dishes actually clean then because i can't <laughs> watch the dishes, so. yeah no i mean I, i'm i'm pretty good at the dishes um <laughs> We have a lot of them, right? I mean, like, you know, with five children, you know, it's a full load of the dishwasher at least once a day. And so I probably get 20, 25 minutes of watching West Wing a day. Anyways, I'm on the uh, Matt Santos. um, Josh just uh, approached him at his house and said, I want you to run for president. Um, Anyways, what about The Office? Did you watch The Office? Oh, yeah. Huge fan of The Office. So, um, So... I built SpunLogic. Uh, we sold it um, after 10 years to a private equity firm who created Engage. And so then myself and two other agencies uh, came together and formed Engage. We were 250 people. I was 75 people when we, when we came to the table. Um, and after a year of essentially running digital um, for the broader Engage, um, for many reasons, um, but mainly because I didn't feel like I was being entrepreneur, um, I went to the board and I said, look, you know, I've got, say at that point, a hundred people reporting up to me. I, I, I no longer want to run hmm. digital. There's not enough freedom in there for me to innovate and to be entrepreneurial. And so this was in 2009 and I, or end of 2008. And so I told him, I said, look, I think um, we need to invest in social and emerging technology that, that if we don't stay on top of that stuff, we're not, we're not going to stay, um, you know, in line with where the industry goes. And so I said, let me have one employee. There's a, there was like a back room in our office in, in promenade and in, in midtown. Um, I was like, let me have that little, you know, storage area. Let me have one employee and I'll give all the rest of the employees. They can report to Raj, my former partner at SpunLogic. Mm-hmm. Anyways. And so they agreed. And so for a year, I almost had my own startup within Engage. Um, I had almost mm. no responsibility from a reporting perspective. I could do what I wanted. I was still on the board, but um, anyways, reason I bring up the office is because after about a month of me and this employee being in the back room, someone put up the Michael Scott paper company on the, <laughs> on the door, <laughs> which was when Michael had his own company within the building. Right. Um, but I, I, I bring that story up because um, even I had trouble. I mean, it, we were, I loved our private equity partners, um, but there was still a conservativeness. There was no reason for them to take a big risk um, right. because they, you know, they, they had a plan and it was a five-year thing and then we were going to sell and, you know, you don't want to rock the boat. But even in that scenario, I, I was like, I, I, I'm too restricted. Um, and it ended up being that team I built grew to 25 or 30 people. And then by the time we sold, we were a social agency. So it, it worked, but I mainly did it because I was like, I, I've got to be able to do my own thing here um, because I was wired that way. There were just too many rules in place, um, too much reporting, too much spreadsheets. And so I think it, it, even in a small, 250 people is not a big company, even a small company can have those restrictions if the, if the setting is not right. Yeah, and I think you bring up something too in terms of kind of where your head was, which you know I found during my career, and perhaps that's why our paths have crossed, and we always keep it connected no matter what. You know, and I've seen it around, you know, kind of a lot of people we know, mutual acquaintances we know. 
I, I do believe there's a personality around finding the new, you know, what's the new new and, and that's okay. And, and I think companies need that. I think some companies may not be ready for it. And I, sometimes I think there are some people that say, I want to do this for this company. And I'm like, this is where I'm like, you got to know the stuff about the market. I mean, if, if there are, well, maybe part of survival is reinventing, but there's certain times when it's right. And by the way, sometimes those should not be forever jobs either. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and, and, and traditionally in big, big companies, it's like a chief strategy officer, chief innovation officer, sometimes a chief marketing officer. And, you know, and I've never have had many conversations and still do to say, sometimes you hit this point where you made this monumental change and then now the, you know, the company's kind of absorbing it and kind of operationalizing it. That may or may not be the right time from a career perspective right. for that executive to stay there. Now, again, the norms, which is changing, but definitely, um, you know, our, our parents, when it came from a norm, well, you stay in your company for, you know, forever. That's right. Of course, that's evolving. But I think that's important too, is that, that, you know, for, if you're, you know, and this is why I like the the kind of I, I'm I'm always you know when you talk about Bob Iger and all of them I love you know kind of tracking creative industries but just media in general. But if you think about creatives, I mean how they move from project to project to project. We just talked about West Wing and you know Aaron Sorkin uh, mm -hmm. for those for those watching. I mean uh, you know West Wing uh, actually has their own podcast called West West Wing Weekly. Uh, which is which covers it and it's great but Aaron Sorkin is this amazing writer that did few yeah. good men did, did many other things after four years at the peak of the show he left mm -hmm. and you could say oh it's about creative differences you know it could be a whole and I think you hear about a lot of different things that go on but you know sometimes it's just time and that's okay yeah. and what I love is when you see someone to say you know I'm a you know I'm just making up companies and this is not this is not reflect anything happening real anywhere but you know if you're at you know at a at a bank and you've done your thing imagine if you take your talents to an airline or you right. take it to someplace else and that's i think what makes this mm -hmm. these people who lead whether it's a, as a general manager or whether it's a functional role i think of them as these creatives who sometimes go from here this project to the next project make change own the change so i'm not saying you know drop an idea and leave yeah and then kind of, you know, explore something else. And I think, you know, for me, it's just this whole thing where if I'm not doing that, I'll just go, I mean, it just, I'll get stagnant. I think that's one of the problems I see with <clears throat> entrepreneurs. Um, they get bored a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, that, you know, their business is two, three, four years old and they start to go, mm, you know, I need, I need change, but what the business really needs at that point is stability and it needs to follow the plan. Right. And so, what I also fell into, it didn't, it wasn't by design, but I've, I've realized that it's been um, the key to my, my mental health over the last several years is that Dragon Army is, is um, seven years old and, um, you know, probably uh, five years ago, I started 48 and 48, which is a nonprofit. And then last year I started Ripples of Hope, which is a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And what's happened is those have allowed me to scratch that itch that innovative, that entrepreneurial, right. whatever it is, itch, and be involved in building something while letting Dragon Army continue to grow and be a stable, solid business. But if I didn't have those things, I bet I'd be tinkering all the time. I'd be, you know, let's try this and let's shift now. It's been three months. And really sometimes a business just needs a year to play out the plan. 
Right. But I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs are constantly like, oh, right. we tried this for, for three weeks and it didn't work um, because they have that mindset. And that's also why a lot of true entrepreneurs, they, they outgrow their company because you just need someone to come in and be able to take it and run it without that constant chaos that can come. So I, I, I see that. Um, I also think the risk reward is very different for people in corporations um, because, yeah. you know, take, take uh, GE. You could have an innovative idea for uh, a $10 million business unit. Um, that's not going to move the needle at all. So right. if you're successful, fine, great. It's a rounding error. But if you're, if you fail at it, then that's a huge mark against you. And it's leverage for the internal politics for people to push you down, to step above you. So it's, it's an interesting dichotomy of, of risk reward within those. And, and, And this is where leadership and this is where it's kind of system wide innovative leadership becomes important and making sure there's room for that to occur because it is healthy for a multi-billion dollar company to take a risk that may only have a $10 million shift of the needle because then the strength of a corporation is if it then really works and you get a good buy-in, the scale of it is, you know, second to none, right? To get the distribution platforms, whatever, but you got to have that room to maneuver where that quote unquote failure within a contained environment is okay. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and that comes not even to the person leading the projects. And, and look, look, we're here in, in Atlanta, you know, we have like 40 corporate innovation centers and they range from, you know, R and D kind of engineering driven centers to, to, you know, really kind of cult- culturally driven, you know, how do we drive, you know, innovation process within companies? So it's all over the place. But you see these all these different variations of how people are creating space to innovate that's safe. So I think so much of that comes to the leaders in terms of how do we do that. Now, is that is that a entrepreneurism within a company? I don't know. I mean, I know it's innovation. Perhaps that is. And I don't know. What do you think? Because I know there's a big thing around entrepreneurism, and there's all these terms being used to it. But to me, it's about being an innovative leader. And you know, and and I think that's for you. You you've gotten a lot of requests from companies about, you know, how do we, how do we become more like you, Jeff, within my company? And that's what <laughs> yeah. had led to your first book, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, what's been interesting for me with the first book, so the five-day turnaround, I wrote it to help leaders that are entrepreneurs to embrace the mindset of an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I, I look at it a little bit more of what are the building blocks of a successful startup? And yeah. There are things like focus. You mentioned that earlier. There are things like um, having a purpose. Um, I, I use yeah. a, a format, purpose, vision, tenets, and values. But, you know, do you have structure? Do you have rigor? Do you, do you measure everything you do to make sure that it's making a difference? And part of my pitch to corporations is allow business units or departments to act more entrepreneurially. Doesn't mean that they have to um, specifically be innovative. But if the marketing department has its own sort of rallying cry, has focus, it's going to outperform a marketing organization that doesn't. Um, And so I think you can look at it team by team, department by department, but I definitely think it's a mindset and I think it can be learned. I think it's something I've seen it work. So I've I've done some purpose, vision, tenants and values workshops with um, some of the larger corporations in Atlanta and they're really embracing it. They're really seeing uh, that they can move faster and and get more done. And at the very least it energizes everybody because it makes you feel, you remember the story about Steve jobs when he was doing the Macintosh 
Yeah. And the flag. <clears throat> oh yeah, 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 yeah. So he basically within Apple created the the Macintosh team and, and look, it's probably divisive and, and, you know, Steve was a bit of an asshole. So there's that, but he put up a big pirate flag um, on the building that the Macintosh team was in to give them their own sense of identity and to, to make them feel special within the walls of Apple. Right. And I think that kind of thing makes a difference having your, you know, having a, a, a branded shirt for your team. These things just bond people together and it allows that entrepreneurial thinking and mindset to happen. Which, by the way, I think crosses everything. I mean, I think with so much success of civic organizations like the Metro Atlanta Chamber, I mean, it's been being very purposeful. It's not just a functional, but there's purpose to drive a region. Um, you see it, you know, in other civic organizations around town, but definitely within companies. And that's one thing that I think, uh, you know, you talk quite a bit about is on purpose. And I believe, in fact, I have a um, a, a, a post I'm about, it's about to come out specifically talking about purpose and the importance because I because you know whether you call it purpose or it's vision that rallying cry I 100% agree with you is so important and what, I, what I'm writing about right now is <clears throat> two leaders here that, that you and I both know you know actually you asked any disruptor studio Kat Cole like what's her purpose and so she has this personal purpose and um, um, and, and, and in terms of helping make other people do more than they knew they could realize. Right. And so it drives and you see it in everything she does, whether it's within her company, whether it's within her social work, whatever it is. And then, um, and then the other aspect that I'm, you know, was I'm writing about is about Ben Chestnut who talks, in fact, he may have even talked about a flag too, but you know, that with MailChimp, this broader purpose around small business and how they rally around it. And you see it. And it's so, and to me, when someone is a leader that does that, it's so clear. But even if someone disagrees on what someone's doing, you could still say, you know what, they're still on purpose. Yeah, right. Even if you don't believe it, you know, you're still on purpose. That's right. And it's the yeah. ultimate segment. You know, people talk about in marketing, all that segmentation and focus and insight. To me, purpose mm-hmm. is a way not just to rally, but it's to focus and take away a lot of debate. And, yeah. and so, and I know that's a big tenet that you, that you preach. So I a hundred percent agree with that as well, too. You know, you meant you, 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 um, promoted my book earlier, so I'm going to promote the disruptor studio. So we'll put the, in the show notes, we'll put the links to it. But, um, yeah. for anyone watching, I think the interviews that you've done with people like Kat and Ben are phenomenal. And it really, that's why I go back to like your ability to be corporate, to be innovative, to be entrepreneurial, to be civic purpose-driven because you're able to. And those interviews, you've been able to pull out of them the deeper uh, reasons they're doing what they're doing. And I think yeah. I just find that so ins- inspirational to hear these leaders talk about that. And, so, and, and by the way, when you talk about an entrepreneurial person in a corporate environment, you know, since we just mentioned Kat, I mean, she's a great example. She's, you know, effectively the number two executive at one of the largest, you know, restaurant brand companies, you know, definitely in the country. And, and, and if you, I, I think if you put her in, a, in an entrepreneurial environment, you know, showcase or whatever, she'd fit right in just as well as she does corporate. But she does talk about that tension. And, you know, and, and the, there's definitely some conversations that we had during, the, the, during that interview, and we'll probably explore more with her as well, too, is about, um, about that tension that it creates. But, it, but it's that, it, look, Jeff, you've talked about taking risk. I think so much of this comes back to how much inner risk people are willing to take and tolerate 
And, and, and that's, that's really the heart of it. And, you know, but going back to kind of my true North or Beth Comstock, she mentioned once that yeah, we were at West Point and, uh, you know, and, you know, this, you know, this course military Academy talking about leadership. We're like, we're here. Why are we doing here? We're a bunch of marketers. And really what it came down to was, you know, really that we're here to, because we're change leaders. This is about change. This is about leadership. And, you know, she kind of further went on at one point and said, you know, that feeling you get in your stomach when you're about to do something with it, that makes you want to throw up. That means you're onto something. That means you're really <laughs> yeah. going in the right direction. If you're driving change, you're driving leadership. So I think um, that's a common trait with all these leaders too. They just don't show it all the time, but they're about ready to, you yeah. know, puke. Well, yeah. And, and what's interesting is I think it's really interesting that people like Beth can get to that point because for myself, for Ben, who, who, were entrepreneurs early, you mm -hmm. know, I didn't realize it, but for the first five or six years, I started my first company in college. So I was 21. Um, I, you know, I risked everything. I didn't have a lot to risk, but I racked up over a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt. Um, I had, you know, no money to my name. Um, uh, you know, I got married. Um, mm. and I was losing more money than my wife's, you know, um, job was bringing in we moved in with my mom year two and had to live there and that kind of like i was betting everything on it made it where that's just normal for yeah. me now um you know it's it's fine i'm fine with the risk i'm comfortable with it but it's always interesting to me how um how people who didn't come from that can can take take bigger risks i find it very amazing when someone who, who's 30 or 35 starts a new company because at that point you have a lot to lose and you're not used to that kind of pressure. Yeah. Um, so that's really admirable to me when people can do that either within corporations or um, later in life entrepreneurship, um, because I, it's, it's, if it's not something you grew up with, it's hard to build up. I do think though, it is um, interesting to explore backgrounds because it is easy to also, you know, to those this presumption, you know, especially when you, especially on the corporate side, you talk to somebody in terms of where they're at and obviously they're in a position of where their, you know, their, their uh, wealth or capital, whatever is so different. Um, but it's always interesting when you hear uh, with stories around, um, kind of their genesis and, and and i think there is sometimes some commonality around that i mean i, I know for me i mean i came from you know from 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 nothing i mean just, you know so as you mentioned that just you know kind of some 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 traits here but it was like you know just scraping buying credit cards to get through college and and you know you know you know i grew up where you know we were like constantly moving different apartments because we couldn't afford rent and all that and then coming out on the other side in college pushing through it and you know just trying to build a foundation to move forward but I do believe that does build grit and I do and and, and sometimes you hear about some companies that kind of look for that you know grit and that's really and by the way that it, it doesn't matter your background as you know there's a just something within you that kind of comes to that but I do think it's interesting if you've seen risk if you've seen what it could be to 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 not have or whatever it is, does that kind of create some more drive or not? Um, mm -hmm. Or does it create more fear? And that's where I think there yeah. could be, or does that fear drive you? And I don't know, that's just where I think it's so different depending on the individual, what that does. But it's interesting you mentioned that because, uh, you know, I think you almost felt, you probably needed to live that. And, it's, and it, which goes to the, the, this is not even about failure because what you went through was not failure, but living through certain experiences 
really are building blocks that allow you to do what you do and maneuver later on as well too. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's the case. So, you know, look, uh, Jeff, we had a, I think we could go on for, and, and I think our idea is to go on for hours and hours about this, but just maybe in <laughs> modularized segments too. And um, one thing uh, if, if for anyone who's, who's uh, watching or listening, um, uh, you know, obviously engage with Jeff and I on our social media platforms. Um, and if you're watching this, most likely you've, you've engaged in at least one of ours. So, um, and, and, and also make comments too, in terms of things you'd like us to talk about as well too. And, and, you know, look, we'll, we'll talk about, we're definitely going to keep talking about leadership and talk about being innovative and talk about, you know, what does it mean being creative? Uh, we hope to have some people that we could talk to about this stuff mm -hmm. and, and really look, we're, we're right now being creatives and our own entrepreneurial journey right here in terms of trying to shape what the heck this thing is. And so always welcome your input and, and we'll evolve. So, so Jeff, any, any, any thoughts here as we try to, or any, anything you'd like to share as we go to wrap up here? No, I'm just looking forward to the, to the next one. Um, there's lots of, I was making notes um, and there's lots of things I want to get to. So, no, I think you're right. If, if anyone has things they want us to chat about or, or if they have suggestions or something, I think that would be really helpful. But look, at the very least, if no one watches, you and I are just going to have some good conversations. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have it. You know, we're, we're going we're gonna to be talking no matter what. We figured we'll just start filming it. But, but we do enjoy, hopefully this does become a broader conversation. Um, as, as Jeff and I go around, I know there's a lot of folks who, who are looking at these topics and it kind of falls within this kind of sometimes gray area, right? Cause it's not so much of what we're talking about is that, 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 that gray area that is not really clear. Is this about leadership is about being innovative is about cultures about change. What is this? But it's that, that connective tissue that I think make great leaders. Great. No matter what your role is, it doesn't even have to be about being a CEO. So, um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to exploring it, Jeff. It's always great to be talking and I'm going to keep having my, uh, uh, free dragon army coffee here for the rest of the morning um thanks everybody uh keep following us on our various social media platforms and we look forward to talking to you again very soon